0: we are back it's the Joe Holka show presented by line movement playoff time the absolute best time of the year to be playing NFL DFS on DraftKings in my opinion so in today's video we're going to bring you guys the top five tips to help you dominate in the postseason nothing too slate specific today Uh, for that you can check out the stacks video that will be going up directly after this one uh but I say we because uh Ryan Hodge is back with me again Make sure you follow him on Twitter at Ryan Hodge. He's got way more followers than me, but he's also a way better follow than me on Twitter. Uh, but this is a perfect guest to talk about playoff strategy with. I, Hodge, I feel like I bring this up every year because it still feels like that epic like podcast that we did like three years ago. Do you remember what I'm talking about? Our late swap one with me, you, late and Proctor. How good was that, man? Maybe tell your side of the story because I think people are probably tired of hearing it from me at this point.
1: Look. In in a nutshell, late late swap on these short game slates is by far the most important thing that you could do. As a large field player, as a cash game player, in your three man winner take alls, it doesn't matter. So uh, it was just it was it was a good time, man. I mean, to be completely dead and then to swap onto the stone nuts in a game that was uh that was a hundred percent just like super underowned, was supposed to run at an extremely slow pace had a total of like 41 and a half or something ridiculous. And then here we are.
0: Yeah, just the, I guess the very short cliff notes of that, it was two or three years ago when Jacksonville had an elite defense. No one was playing that game. It was the third game, or I think it might have been, yeah, it was the third game of a four-game slate. Steelers-Jacksonville, and then uh, no one was playing it because of the defenses involved, but I think Le'Veon Bell was super chalky, so basically what we did, we pivoted all of our Le'Veon Bell to Antonio Brown, but we actually uh, pivoted to a lot of Jaguar stacks on the other side so I think it was just one of those plays that we were so dead after the first day of games because a lot of the chalk hit um that we were kind of just trying to uh throw up a Hail Mary and the game ended up finishing like 43 to 56 or something ridiculous like that something so, absurd. Uh, so that, that was uh,
1: uh that was the J was Jalen Ramsey with the Jags then yes and was that the whole that was the whole uh hashtag defenses don't matter year it's like a first like, start too yeah. yeah, it's like when it first started. I yeah. just I thought it was so appropriate. Yeah, that that game sets a record for like points scored, and uh, it literally it literally had a total of like forty two and a half or something absurd. <laughs> like it was
0: so low. Crazy, man. All right. So let's uh we'll keep it, like I said, they're like not uh really slate specific here. Obviously, recording this before the wild card slate, but tip number one, and Hodge already alluded to it, like all of these tips are gonna kind of revolve around one thing. But the first tip is just gonna be you have to utilize late swap on DraftKings and FanDuel during the playoffs. It's not a normal week. It literally is nowhere near a normal week. Cause even if we're late, like late swapping after like the or before the 3 p.m. game is start. This is one where we get a lot more time to make those decisions because they're all island games, right? So it's one of those spots where you get more information as the games go on. Um, and you really have to give yourself a little bit of flexibility. What's difficult is that these slates in particular this week, there's almost all the chalk in the beginning, or at least the higher total games are in game number one of three. So we can get into that uh, shortly, but let's expand a little bit upon like uh, late swap in general, Hodge, like some of these people, like I get it in the chat all the time. They can't really wrap their head around it. Like, why would you move off of the best plays? But it basically comes down to just like, it's your only way to pass at that point. Right. So I'm curious your thoughts on it overall.
1: Yeah, I look. I think going into the playoff season of DFS, we really magnify how important late late swapping is. But it it's actually important weeks one through seventeen too. I, I want to be very clear. Like if yeah. you're a head to head player and you're going through your head to heads, and you you do some reverse engineering and you kind of figure out their salary, and if you're behind a little little bit or you think you're matched with that player and you have to make a swap you should be swapping then anyways. If you have the stone nuts in an early slate uh, in the spy and you know, you've know you got two or three guys going in the late slate and it's only a three-gamer, you should really be trying to figure out how you can be as unique as possible and just propel yourself up to the top in something like that. Or maybe it's vice versa. Maybe all of the guys that, that hit for you in the spy were all 10% and below, and you can eat a little bit of that chalk to just slowly rise up because playing the best plays is usually what we should do right hashtag optimal but um if you're listening to this you probably listen to the gill and they talk about swapping in their head-to-heads all the time it's like mm-hmm. a weekly occurrence it's something that you should constantly be doing because if you're dead sticking with Devonte adams when your opponent has Devonte adams isn't going to make you undead right what's going to make you undead is getting away from Devonte adams 16 point game that he had last week which quite frankly he ran hot to get there And you move to somebody like insert Robbie Anderson, who I know had a horrible game or or insert another wide receiver who's your opponent will not have or is going to be very low owned in tournaments to make up ground. I mean, that's just like one simple scenario.
0: Yeah, there's there's a lot that goes into it. Obviously one of the things that we want want to guess to at least make very clear it's not just trying to switch to guys that are one percent, like ceiling is still very important in, in these type of decisions. But also like just I think something that probably doesn't get talked about enough still is just the way these contests are structured. I've heard some people talk about it. If you don't have a score throughout the NFL season, like a top three finish and you're a tournament only player, you're drawing somewhat dead to be profitable. That's yeah. like how bad some of the structures are. So like, we got to get to the top. We're not trying to cash these tournaments. So if you're just like hovering around the cash line and you have some failures in your lineup, even on a three game slate, like, I-, I think you have to get a little bit weird if you want to differentiate yourself kind of the rest of the way. So let's uh, move on to tip number two. And this is going to be one of the ones that I, I think is somewhat Um, obvious but also not like the order of these games matters almost as much as the ownership does in my opinion so obviously we're going to focus on things like Vegas lines uh, to project ownership and baseline ownerships There's obviously some, some great projections out there for ownership even on these small slates also but like this slate that we have coming up where basically you're looking at this in the Vegas lines game number one we have Buffalo and Indy 51 point over under. The other ones are four and a half or below on that slate. And then also on Sunday, we have another game, number one, where it's Baltimore and Tennessee, a 54 and a half point over under. The next highest is 47. So like when it's that, much higher than these other games uh you have to kind of think through do you really want to eat that chalk in game number one so how do you think of kind of like the order hodge and like a slate like this or guess even the opposite i, I kind of think that this is like the worst possible setup i'd prefer the chalk be later but i'm curious your thought on like order of these games
1: um i i think it i think it's interesting just depending on how you want to approach a slate the chalk being early isn't necessarily the worst thing right we're gonna get to see stefan digg's ownership josh allen's ownership we're gonna get to see uh ty hilton and jonathan taylor like we're gonna get to see what some of those ownerships look like and that should help us get a better idea of what like antonio gibson's ownership might look like or what rojo's ownership might look like who should probably be a little bit lower owned than those guys anyways um and that that's just I don't know. I mean, it, it's definitely tough. I guess maybe this is a little bit off track, but even though it's the highest total, uh, there's actually two other teams that have higher implied team totals than the Colts. Yep. So I still think you can be unique um, in that sense by just attacking some of those team totals rather than full stacking the game, mm-hmm. right? So that that's just one way to be unique on, the, on a three-gamer. But yeah, go, go into more detail on, on why you think the order might be so important.
0: So I think obviously you're still looking into like pro, like projections versus price, that sort of thing. So like that the chalk isn't all just gonna be in the most high total game, you're right. It has to do with these team totals also. But I think that one thing, and, and we've talked about this on like Thursday Night Football, if you're playing like the, the entire Thursday night slate on a regular week, like sometimes people just wanna see like their guys going yeah. in those first games, and like we, we've talked, we've been talking about this for years, Hodge, but it's still very true, and it's very true in the playoffs. No one wants to be light this game with the high total when like at the slate is starting, no one wants to wait around. So that's why I think it's uh, it's sometimes nice to have some of the better plays later on because you'll get some of these uh, I guess quote unquote worst plays in the first game if this is flipped on its head a little bit. So let's move on uh, to the third tip, and I, I think that so this scenario is if the chalk is early, so similar to this week in the wild card week the tip is to get unique or be underweight on the first game overall so what I mean by kind of get unique in this first game if there are going to be some popular plays I think trying to find natural pivots in this game or like how does this guy fail in game number one because if you do take that chance in the first game and it works out you can kind of chalk up your lineup the rest of the way as the slate's progressing and you get more information that sort of thing if it fails you're just going to get weird the rest of the slate anyway so how how do you think it through a slate like this where if the chalk does end up being in game number one like uh, you agree with me like just trying to find some diamonds in the rough obviously it depends on how many lineups you're rolling out but you can really set yourself apart if you hit on a lower owned piece early on you, you, you get what i'm saying
1: no i 100% get what you're saying and i think going back to the order the, the order mattering in what world is and i understand that this is price sensitive but in what world is john brown come in at a higher ownership on a three game slate than DK Metcalf or Cooper Cup, you you know what I'm saying? Or yeah. or Chris Godwin or some of those guys. Like I get his price and his role in the offense and then potentially you no know, Colt Beasley, but I think Colt Beasley's actually on track to play, right? Um, he's just been so. like limited in practices. So it's more or less of like asking yourself, and you said it best, how do these guys fail? And if they fail, how do I take advantage of that? Because I think you're honestly looking at Stefan Diggs and Josh Allen uh not only the highest owned guys on this specific three game slate but I also think that they might be the highest owned guys across the entire six gamer as well I know that that'll be a a little bit more unique with um like Hollywood Brown kind of having a resurgence and um Michael Thomas on the other slate and stuff like that or no sorry not is Michael Thomas playing
0: it looks like he is. Yeah. It's uh, yeah, that's gonna be yeah, one of those okay, one yeah. standout price points for sure as we get into the slate specific stuff in a bit for sure.
1: So um asking yourself how a guy can fail on a three gamer and just clicking the button on Devin Singletary or Cole Beasley or whoever that wide receiver, you know, Michael Pittman as as an example or mm-hmm. uh, like some dude i always think it's about the tight ends on these slates like yeah. instead of playing logan thomas or gronk just like okay how do they fail well gronkowski while he has like high equity targets sometimes he only gets three targets a game mm-hmm. and if both of, if none of those go for tds then he fails it's that's actually simple right yeah but if he's projecting to be one of the higher owned tight ends like i don't know man just play Dossing Knox in the buffalo game and pivot away from digs or something
0: yeah yeah i think i think you hit on something that's really important there that it's not just like taking like a crazy chance with like a really expensive guy early sometimes like trying to find one of these secondary third kind of uh maybe wide receivers or tight end options that is a little bit cheaper so if you hit on a guy like Zach Pascal gets in the end zone and he's super cheap that can really set you. I mean, people aren't going to want to take that chance in the first game. And I honestly think that's kind of a leak. You mentioned Dawson Knox, he's just 3,200. Imagine you get Dawson Knox at like 15% ownership, which is pretty low for a three game slate. And he's super cheap. You have your tight end taken care of. He's got a touchdown. Um, So those type of mini stacks, I think, can really pay off if it doesn't happen to be like a Stefan Diggs who's super chalky and catches that touchdown in game number one. So I think that's a good way to think about it. So let's talk about the inverse. So tip number four, if the chalk is late, I still think it's similar. You want to kind of try and take chances early and chalk up a little bit later, but it's a little bit easier to do that I think if the chalk is late you can make an argument that if the chalk is early maybe you just go underweight of the entire first game in general but I think that you might want to get a little bit more unique with like I guess heavier stacking in the beginning only if the chalk is late but what, what would how would you approach that would you kind of see how things are going and chalk up if you feel like you're way ahead or do you still think that that kind of limits you from getting all the way to the top I still kind of struggle with that sometimes
1: Yeah. I still think it limits you from getting all the way to the top. Mm -hmm. Uh, I, I treat this no different than a Thanksgiving day slate. And so for me, I think even if my early guys are good and I'll just reference the most recent Thanksgiving day slate where we had like Houston was, was fairly popular and played pretty well. Right. So some chalk hit, but there was still chalk in the second game with like Terry McLaurin and Antonio Gibson. And like, those guys still like Terry McLaurin kind of failed, but Antonio Gibson got there. So I I just like, I I get less wrapped up in, in the difference of 15 to 20% and more like, what can I do to make this the best scoring lineup that I can regardless of the ownership. And if I'm already in a good spot, I'm usually fine just like, eating a little bit of ownership if i think that it's still the best spot right like it's as, it's as simple as that for me yeah um,
0: if you get off to a good start with some of these guys like in the earlier games that are lower owned like you can afford to eat that ownership because you're already unique at that point anyway so i'm with you sorry to yes. cut you off
1: yeah no i want 100 so if you if you let's just say in a specific example if you fade some of the bills and they fail And some of your low-owned guys in that game, or even maybe in just like the the Seattle game, the afternoon game, if they're good, like I wouldn't worry about ownership in the late game, especially if it's just on two or three players. Now, if you have like six pieces from that game, well, honestly, you don't know where you're at anyways. So other than the chalk failed and you should be in a good spot because you faded the chalk. So like, I would just play the lineup that you thought was the best lineup because you thought it was best.
0: Yeah. So you mentioned uh, the later game. So that brings us right into our last tip, tip number five, stacking the later game or using a later game DST, I-, I think is super plus EV. Like there's a difference between having some players left and kind of getting weird if you're behind getting chalky, if you're ahead. But I think it's really valuable to have that quarterback stack in the later game because normally you won't see just like a, a crate, like a, a very tight spread where it's really uh, chalky on both sides. A lot of times, if you're behind, you can pivot to a much lower own stack and get kind of see where you're at if you have that quarterback available you're going to get much more unique correlation not just a unique player which is a big deal when you're trying to pass people so uh, how do do you think about that also defense we know um, has a lot of variance to it I, I think that just burning defense unless it's either super cheap or just a slam dunk spot in games one or two probably bad would you agree with that
1: yeah, I look slam dunk defenses can uh, you can just fire them into the sun. It does mm. not matter, man. We saw Washington against whoever Pittsburgh's backup was. I can't even think. Mason Rudolph, yep. like, like that should have been, or I mean, Cleveland at, at twenty five hundred or whatever. Like that should have been a good spot for Cleveland's Even three points. We saw Washington's defense in week like fifteen or sixteen in a slam dunk spot, but no. Dallas defense is like the top scoring defense on the slate just the defensive takes of slam dunks in cash whatever just play the optimal but in large field i look dude i think the bucks are going to be uh heavily owned i I also to your point of like wanting people to play or players dfs players wanting to see their players go early they also love themselves a late night hammer man and i i am fall victim of that too so I think a team like like a Washington defense against Brady is something that you could pivot to easily, right? If you need to be a little bit unique at a defensive position.
0: Yeah, it's a good point. Thinking of ways like that, people will if they are waiting around. Where's like that chalk later stack? If it ends up being Brady, maybe you leverage that. Um, on a team with Washington defense I I like that quite a bit I I just like when you're looking at defense there's a lot of really smart people out there that are uh, kind of paying up to be contrarian at times but also it's not even just paying up to be contrarian the way roster construction is it's harder to get to those defenses so you end up getting some of the elite defenses at much lower ownership so that's where I'm at on that uh Hodge any final thoughts on playoffs so we covered a lot in a short amount of time but I think that was really valuable
1: no, i I just think the the biggest difference here is don't be afraid to click a guy who you would normally never click on a on a fifteen gamer or you know, a normal ten or thirteen gamer like it's it's gonna be a little bit tough to click a guy like, oh gosh, let's just go with J d. Mckissick. It's gonna be a little tougher to click him on this slate. I totally understand that. Um, Devin Singletary, Zach Moss, like these guys. Look, I'm not saying just be contrarian and find a one percent guy. Like make sure they're running routes, make sure they're seeing the appropriate volume, see if they've got some air yards associated with them or something. But, like you have to build that way and just let it run, man. Like just let it run. I don't know. I don't know what else to say. You don't don't overthink it too much on these three gamers. You just want to be unique
0: i'm with you man and these are some of the most fun slates of the year because it is a different type of puzzle so i'm with that uh for sure definitely uh, if you're here for the first time consider subscribing to the channel before you get out of here toss a like on this video would really appreciate it let me know in the comments who you think will win this year's super bowl hodge i'm sure uh you probably don't need it but let's uh make sure that everyone follows you on twitter at ryan hodge this is joe holka show presented by line movement playoff stacks Obviously, if you're here for the first time, consider subscribing to the channel. We're going to continue to try and bring you guys as much value as possible, including a playoff DFS strategy video that we just finished recording. So make sure you check that one out. I'm going to point to the link right here. We do have Ryan Hodge with us still because we still have to get through these stacks. People want the answers to the test, all that good stuff. We're going to build a lineup for the Saturday only slate. We're also going to build a lineup. For the Sunday only slate. But definitely check out those top five tips for playoff DFS before you start this video, just so you get an idea of kind of where we're coming from on all of this. So it is NFL wildcard weekend. Obviously, DraftKings makes the Saturday only and Sunday only slates the featured slates, which was kind of a bummer. I know you feel the same way, Hodge, that we wish we had kind of this huge six gamer this year, but we don't. So we digress. We're going to continue to talk about these two slates a little bit separately. Uh, But back to drop some knowledge, Ryan Hodge, follow him on Twitter at Ryan Hodge, we're going to go through and build a team for some smaller field GPPs, which is what we preach here. But Hodge, how are you, man? I haven't talked to you in uh, like five minutes. I know you had to go wrestle your kids for a split second, but how are we doing?
1: Good, man. I'm doing good. Yeah, I had the dad life there real quick and uh, get get the boys under control. They look, they're just excited for this this weekend slate as I am. So
0: there you go I was saying that right before we hit record here I wish I had the recording from what just happened Hodge literally he gets up from his chair on the split screen right now you guys are seeing gets up from his chair goes out the door and goes hey Dad's doing some fake work. I need you guys to be quiet. I w- it would have been like the best Twitter clip of all time, man. Uh, so this is uh, this is an interesting slate, man. We're going to start on Saturday. Uh, we talked about it a little bit already, but it is looking like it's shaping up to be a, I, I don't know if it'll be super heavily owned in the first game just because of the two teams involved or if it's just because of Buffalo, right? This team has just been firing on all cylinders, obviously, at Indian game number one. We have the LA Rams, Seattle Seahawks in game number two, and then Tampa Bay and Washington football team in game number three so when you saw this order these teams uh, on saturday did you have any initial thoughts when you were looking at this hodge or were you just like hey stefan diggs is going to be just the absolute stone shock and how do we get different
1: i i was that was honest it was actually josh allen was the first thing yeah. so I, I always look at a quarterback and then i just tend to to say okay well this receiver just is going to correlate well so that'll boost his ownership so on and so forth too right so um, the thing with Stefan Diggs is even if people get away from Allen and, and game stacks here with Buffalo, they'll probably still find a way to convince themselves to play Stefan Diggs just because of what he's doing. Uh, and look, this game, high team total, open to 51 and a half is down to 51. So just a little bit of movement there. Uh, Buffalo is an okay defensive team. Like they're nothing special. The same thing with indy they're actually a, a little softer versus every position so it's 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 so hard to get away from this game it, I it, mean, is. it, it really is
0: it's uh, uh i think we can agree on one thing for sure hodge is that this middle game this rams and seahawks game seems super gross uh both these teams i mean we know that what how la is going to win they're going to play a good defense obviously the seattle team wants to run this time of year so that game feels the grossest Vegas agrees for sure um, but I want to jump right into kind of like the the lineup build we'll kind of talk through this uh, as we go I think and we talked about this in uh, the strategy video that I think it's really valuable to have your stack in game number three on these slates in particular so I kind of came over Hodges head here and said let's build a Brady stack team and let's figure out what we can make work from there so I think that there's still enough uncertainty with Brady that the ownership might be down people want to talk about how we He's really struggle against pressure that's definitely uh that's definitely true like so if you just look at it basically uh his quarterback rating any efficiency metric you're looking at definitely it takes a little bit of a dip when he's uh under pressure versus in a clean pocket we know this washington football team has generated the sixth highest pressure rate at 26 percent this year also when we're looking at this mike evans he's got this knee injury so if there's a little bit of uncertainty there that kind of goes into brady's projection as well so if we're kind of dealing with is mike evans a decoy or obviously rojo is going to be pretty popular because he outplayed Fournette pretty significantly last week if we're just looking on a per touch basis he is very cheap so i think one way that we could go about this uh this team Hodge is stack up Brady, but maybe we leave off a, a Rojo on this team because I think he's going to be a decent value mm-hmm. across the slate. I'm trying to I, I'll I'll, I'll let this one up to you though. What do we do with Mike Evans? Do we fade him? Do we just go nice. with uh, with Gronk, AB, and and uh, Godwin? Do we just play that he's going to be a decor or, or do we just try and get him at low ownership? What are your thoughts?
1: No, I think I think mean, you absolutely play Mike Evans in nice. this spot. I think he uh if he is out there running. On a three-game slate, I'm absolutely okay starting him. You have to be unique. And I think that um, Chris Godwin ends up being a lot higher. Or maybe not a lot, but it relative to a three-game slate, 6 to 7% is a pretty big difference. Um, so I, I'll play Mike Evans here with Brady
0: okay I do want to do a double stack with Brady I'm trying to think so basically if we play Evans just looking at it in terms of like a guy that directly negatively correlates with Evans it is Antonio Brown I really like Antonio Brown in this game so that would be hard uh, not to add him but I guess if we're building a GPP team it would make sense to, to fade him um, I, I like the idea of adding Gronk uh, if we added Gronk to this and obviously this is a small field GPP do you think it's too much to add Godwin to this as well or should we leave it open to kind of the rest of this build
1: I'm curious on the negative correlation. Is that just touchdown equity?
0: Probably. And it is a small sample, right? Like Antonio Brown hasn't been there the whole year. So
1: that's so that's that's all I'm gonna say is because Mike Evans is is pretty reliant. Well, he's not reliant, but I, I would say that he definitely gets there based off of his, his end zone targets. Mm-hmm. Um look if if we talked about this in the strategy video, let's figure out and find a way that a guy can fail well a way that chris godwin can fail is if antonio brown just consumes more targets
0: right okay. so and he's cheaper than I, godwin too so i'm with you on that
1: yeah and so that's i think i think if we just leave out godwin look i think this game is probably this team is probably going to be the second highest owned team maybe really really close with indy just because of the whole game environment in the yep. first one so if we're going to stack this, we have to be a little bit unique anyways in this stack.
0: So do you think our bring back then is where we get unique or do we just jam in Terry McLaurin? He's so cheap. It just seems like the the easier play to make. Um, but I guess maybe he's not that cheap compared to some of the other, other guys we have in our stack. Do you think we can fit in McLaurin and still get uh, some of these uh, other guys from the beginning? We're going to be, um, yeah. I guess, a little bit tied on salary if we do, I guess.
1: Oh, you want to? I mean, Cam Sims is like our, our other option, right? Pretty good. We or could. or logan thomas as the tight end but did you did we play I jammed
0: gronk? in gronk grant gronk is so cheap man he's 3900 yeah. so i feel okay. like he might be a necessity with brady L- let's throw in sims for now and see where that gets us um god there's there's both of these guys right Steven sims is the one that has the, like the he's always I, I never remember who it is but i think cam sims is the one with cam the direction yeah
1: okay yeah cam Sims is the one who actually is out running routes and, and seeing some targets from uh from from washington so
0: Okay, so I want to put in at least somewhat of a placeholder defense here, ideally on the cheaper side. So, I mean, the Rams are twenty nine hundred. The Colts are twenty two hundred. Do you have any lean on either of those? Uh, I guess as we kind of piece this together.
1: The Rams, Josh Allen is so efficient, dude. So even look, even the Josh Allen can fail and the, the defense for the for Indy can still obviously not do anything from a DFS Perspective, right? It could just be a low low scoring game. Josh Allen doesn't throw a lot of touchdowns. Maybe only rushes for like 22 yards or whatever. So, um, I would much rather play the Rams against, against Russell Wilson. Who's I, I, you can check me on these metrics, uh, but I think he's still pretty sack prone.
0: Yeah, and we're probably jamming in Cam Akers at that point. He's 5,100. He looked healthy last week, so I think he's one of the the top running back plays on the slate, so I'm with you there. Um, So we actually have a decent amount of salary to work with here. Um, We can pay up for this next running back slot. If we wanted to go someone like Jonathan Taylor, we probably could at 7,900. 7,900. Um, and then we have a pretty wide open flex as well. I, I've kind of taken the reins on this one. Is there anyone on, in particular on the slate that you really like? We probably could eat some Stefan Diggs chalk if we really wanted to since we ended up playing Rams D, but any thoughts on that?
1: I would I would go uh, Cam Akers and then round it out with DK Metcalf.
0: Okay, even if we're playing Rams D? I guess on a three-game slate, it doesn't really I'd matter.
1: D- a three-game slate, I don't, yeah. It's especially cool. the wide receiver does not matter to me. I would yeah. maybe be a... You know, against a quarterback, probably not, unless it's Jameis Winston. But we don't get the pleasure of doing that anymore.
0: If anything, it's like a game script play, right? So if Cam Akers yes. and Rams D are putting up points, like we're hoping that they're letting Russ cook a little bit on the other side. So I'm with you on that. So we have we have all the salary in the world to work with here. We can just play uh, Taylor at this point at 7,900 at running back, and I feel like this team uh, yeah. is looking pretty solid. Yeah,
1: cool. that's that's I would that's how I would round it out is with Jonathan Taylor as, as our second running back, and then flexing a wide receiver with DK Metcalf who. I also think is drastically undervalued on a three-game slate from a wide receiver position. I think, once again, we'll probably see um, guys like, obviously, like Diggs, John Brown, T.Y. Hilton uh maybe Terry McLaurin and maybe Chris Godwin above DK Metcalf but it just I don't know it will we'll see how some of the industry sentiment tends to come out that'll start to drive ownership more too than just like optimals and, and who's ending up in you know thousands and thousands of runs
0: I like it um so let's move on to the Sunday slate we got Baltimore Tennessee game number one Chicago New Orleans game number two and Cleveland and Pittsburgh game number three kind of staying on that theme of trying to find a later stack, one of the things, at least early ownership uh, that kind of surprised me a little bit is not many people um, seem to be on uh, game number three so we could go the Baker side we could go the Big Ben side I think enough I think Big Ben is played poorly enough that not many people uh, might want to go there I think there's going to be pieces of this game that are definitely popular I think Deontay Johnson is going to be pretty chalky on the Pittsburgh side and on the Cleveland side I think Higgins is going to be pretty popular just because of his price alone so um, I think we go Ben here With this stack Uh, i'm curious do you have a a favorite guy maybe not named deontay i'm not opposed to playing deontay i guess think he's going to be by far uh the highest owned maybe even this in this entire game
1: yeah i i think in this entire game on the three game slate uh deontay johnson is is from these two teams will definitely be the highest owned wide receiver for sure he's pretty um he's pretty price friendly too at sixty two hundred dollars so for for me i would rather stack did you say we're stacking with big ben right now yeah let's
0: let's go with ben or we we can okay, go good. we can go the other side i'm not no, i'm not married no, to I, it
1: I, w- I want to go with with the side of the ball here um mostly because like, cleveland's been extremely friendly versus opposing teams quarterbacks mm-hmm. and their wide receivers and their tight ends yep. um so I think this is where we could probably be a little bit unique is that as far as a tight end situation goes with Pittsburgh, who, um, who do you, I, it's got to be Vance, right? With no Ebron, just like full on consuming these targets.
0: Yeah, it could be. I, I was looking, is Ebron for sure out?
1: Um. I thought, oh, maybe he's—is he gonna come back from the inj- or from the COVID list? That would actually let's
0: take a sense. peek at that. We we have we have time here because I think that's relevant. He's still in projections at the time of this video recording on a Thursday. They did activate him, so Ebron looks like yeah, he'll yeah, only yeah, end up missing that go. finale. So he'll be back. So I think Ebron um, is a really solid play. Also, just looking if we're not. Uh, planning on playing Deontay, the two guys that negatively correlate the most to Deontay are Chase Claypool and Eric Ebron. So I I think Ebron would be uh, probably the next guy in. It is saying out on DraftKings, so maybe that's something that they just haven't changed yet. So uh, keep an eye on that. Obviously, if Ebron is out, Vance McDonald in this slot still makes a ton of sense. Um, Claypool Claypool versus Juju. We could probably play both. It's Ben, right? We could triple stack this, so let's just do that. All right, so Claypool and Juju so like I said on the other side of it I think that Higgins is going to be super popular just because the savings obviously the target share um, if if you're watching I guess later in the week the locks of the week over on the line movement channel I would imagine that there'll be some guys from this game Higgins just seems like a great price point but as a pivot in some sort of tournament setting I don't mind Jarvis Landry uh, but I guess we're still probably unique enough with this stack by not having Deontay would you rather just take the savings with Higgins what are you feeling on that
1: I th- I think yeah it's we're we're good with Deontay. You don't have to be cute at every single position, sure. right? Um, so I, I'm totally fine taking taking Rashard Higgins here. He's the wide receiver who rates best for me in my model on this three gamer. Um, him and Jarvis Landry are, are pretty close, mm-hmm. but just because of of Higgins' pricing, Higgins comes out with a better a uh, better rating. So
0: I like it. Um, I'm good with it. So I always like to at least put in some sort of defense here. We did pay down all the way pretty much uh, in the the last, I guess it was kind of middle of the pack, 2,900. Saints are expensive though. So they they kind of had my eye a little bit. We know how bad Trubisky is under pressure. They're 3,800 in game number two. Another option would just be to pay all the way down with Tennessee at 2,200. Um, outside of that, I think the Browns are going to be popular, but that's in this game. I don't really want to play them with Ben Steelers going to be popular. So any preference, I guess, between saints and Titans, or is there another one you like? I, I think that it's basically between those two,
1: you know, like Baltimore,
0: we could go Baltimore against, just, uh, Tannehill I, will take sacks. I don't hate that.
1: I, I mean, yeah, it's just one of those things where like, uh, Baltimore has their specialty. I think Baltimore would have, might have the best special teams unit on this um on this slate so if we're looking for that that defensive touchdown which are definitely random i mean it could definitely come from baltimore here
0: what I like about that too is that if it ends up being uh, a lot of ownership in that first game, Baltimore, Tennessee, I mean like I said, far and away the highest over under on the slate. This one is a little bit different, so uh, Baltimore does have the highest implied total on the slate, Tennessee all the yep. way down to fourth, but um, I think Ravens D might offer us more leverage than some of these other ones, so I'm on board with that. Um, still decent amount of salary to work with here, so um, let's see what the, the running backs look like on this slate. Obviously, it looks like Kamara's going to be back. He's 85 uh derrick henry uh, again like i don't get too worked up about negative correlation with defenses on a three-game slate he's 9200 mm-hmm. against baltimore uh any thoughts i guess we probably can spend up in at least one of these slots do we want to go camara
1: yeah so i would rather go camara than henry mm-hmm. I'm with you. and so, i'd actually i don't i don't mind going with with jk dobbins here either i'm not gonna lie
0: jk dobbins is an interesting one because i feel like he's been that guy that is like living off of efficiency and like touchdowns and he just hasn't really been getting a ton of touches like but he has like the ceiling i think it's only nick chubb that has a higher like explosive run rate this year uh than jk dobbins obviously tennessee one of the worst teams in the league at allowing those like breakaway runs so i I don't i don't hate the the dk dobbins like what makes me like I guess i like doing the show a lot because like as i'm building throughout the week like there's certain plays that make me uncomfortable those are normally the plays that are the best plays for these type of videos when we're trying to build like a, a unique tournament team um in smaller fields so I'm, I'm okay with dobbins let's put him in there for now um and he is pretty cheap so i'll give you that um all right so we got dobbins in there
1: and then we got all the money Did in the world i
0: say dk dobbins these these dks DK. and jks it's just it's it's too <laughs> much for me yeah, so we got seven K left. Uh, we could go AJ Brown. We could go Montgomery. We could go Nick Chubb. So we got a lot of salary. We could just jam in Michael Thomas and leave some salary on the table, which I don't hate either.
1: Yeah, I and so I think that you bring up a very good point. Something that we haven't touched on a lot. Um, I, I know we hammer it all the time of just like it's okay to leave a couple hundred dollars on the slate. Uh, you know, week fifteen, week ten, whatever. I'm okay leaving even more on some of these slates now. Mm-hmm. Not doing it to just like. Do it to do it, but I do think a guy like Michael Thomas, and then you leave seven hundred dollars on the slate. Like you're getting a discount on Michael Thomas. Most people are going to take advantage of that discount and try and jam in somebody somewhere else. Like maybe getting up from Kamara as a Henry, uh, which you literally can do. That's actually a pivot, uh, and that's something that you could maybe decide that you need to do after seeing some ownerships after the Baltimore Tennessee game. Uh, so it's it's a tough one. I, I don't know. Sixty-three hundred dollars for Michael Thomas, but look, Thomas and Kamara could both totally get there. You know, Kamara could get the touchdowns, targets, uh, and and Thomas could just get the targets and the catches. So, it's it's tough. I I might prefer playing a guy like Allen Robinson or or maybe Montgomery. Um, I, I'll have to see where ownership comes out. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I want to play both Kamara and Thomas right. in, in, a, in this specific lineup. Um, especially without a guy like Breeze who if if these guys get their breeze probably has like a 340 yard day, maybe mm-hmm. like four TDs. Right. So I don't know.
0: Yeah, what's nice about this again, like you're going to be reevaluating this after the first game anyway. So we're so wide open here, basically with just uh, the Baltimore defense and J.K. Dobbins that if you have Camara in here, Michael Thomas to start or maybe just Montgomery to start and you feel like you need to get uh, a little bit different. I like the Montgomery Camara kind of mini stack there. So I'm on board with that. Obviously, most of our equity is going to be in this third game. So uh, I'm good on that, man. Uh, Anything else on this slate? Uh, I think that that's uh, that's pretty good. We got we got two uh, shells in place, obviously just making it very clear that this is a video that is recorded on thursday also to make it even more clear uh i would imagine almost all my lineups that i start with are going to look a little bit different as the slate goes on um and i feel like that's the the right way to play this so uh hodge any final thoughts
1: i'm just you said these are a show because i've already clicked enter on the wildcat for both of these and i'm just not going to touch them
0: <laughs> solid, solid. Yeah, maybe maybe we're just. Uh, I'm so anchored by this, uh, you have to late swap thing that the play is just to build the lineup right now and let it ride, man. So uh, you got that. Let it ride, uh, man. You, you got that on lock for us. Uh, so make sure you follow Hodge on Twitter at Ryan Hodge. I'm at Joe Holka. If you're here for the first time, would love it if you consider subscribing to the channel. Smash that like button if you haven't already, if you found some value in this discussion. Also, just want to make sure you guys are here on Saturday and Sunday morning at 9 a.m. Eastern Time. Going to be my final thoughts, but also going to be doing each of these slates. So kind of a double header this weekend, which be a really good time. Let us know in the comments, your favorite stack for Saturday and Sunday on the wild card weekend. And we'll talk to you guys soon. It's the joe holka show presented by line movement if you're listening to this on the podcast feed wondering where this video is of course i mean by this time like it's playoff you, you guys know this is the one video per week that will live exclusively on the line movement youtube channel so if you're here welcome in toss a like on this video do us a solid consider subscribing to the channel ton of live streams and stuff going on for each and every sport throughout the year obviously as football and the regular season is wrapped up we'll have a ton of coverage for the playoffs of course so you're going to be doing All of these things because on my show on the line movement shows. We're going to continue to bring you guys some of the best guests in the entire industry. Of course, one of those people joins me again today is TJ Hernandez. He's the director of DFS at four for football. TJ, I know you're excited to talk about the bills, but are you excited for the playoffs in general, my man? How you doing?
2: Yeah, man. I'm, I'm definitely excited. I mean, this is like the only or the first time all season that I kind of watch games like a, a fan more than a uh, fantasy content creator. Obviously, we still have some slates, but uh, just a little different, you know, in the playoffs.
0: It always feels a little bit different. Uh, I feel this way. Like, I know it's not the exact same thing, but like when hockey playoffs start, like I get to sit there and actually like watch as a fan, because there's a little bit yeah. less going on. So I, I feel that way for football. I think that these slates in particular, like, uh, I think there's still a huge edge. And if you're willing to pay attention, late swap, that sort of thing, I uh, just actually threw up a video on my channel with Ryan Hodge, breaking down the top five tips. If you're playing playoff DFS, so definitely check out that video. I'll actually link that one right here for you guys. If you want to check that out after. This video, but we're going to do things a little bit different this week. Obviously, this is our locks of the week segment on DraftKings. Normally, uh, we would have, or at least I was hoping we would have a featured six-game slate on DraftKings, but I mean they need to get their rake as TJ knows from all the way back in the poker days. That's all that's always the most important thing. So we have two slates: we have a Saturday slate and a Sunday slate. Those are the featured slates. That's where the prize pools are much larger. So that's what we're going to focus on. We're going to get a lock from TJ in each game instead of just at each position. So I think that'll be the way uh, that would make the most sense to go about this. TJ, let's jump into game number one, Colts at Bills. I mean, I don't even know why I asked you who your lock of the week is from this one. Uh, It's Josh Allen. Tell us why.
2: Yeah, I mean... It, we're talking about a three game slate here, right? So the thing we really need to be thinking about, and I'm guessing you and Haji probably talked about this, is the fact that you kind of need to be building around game flow, planning your flags. Um, we're not super focused in on on value because they're just kind of overlap everywhere. So who are you going to be building around the most? Who are you willing to be the most overweight on? And that's Josh Allen as the main quarterback to be building around, and just the Bills offense as a whole. They're the only team on Saturday projected for over 28 points. And we know that, uh, almost all of that offense, especially the scoring comes from Josh Allen, both his legs and his arm. Uh, this is a Colts team that if we look at their season long stats, they've been decent against quarterbacks, but down the stretch, really struggling for their last five games, allowing at least 20 fantasy points. The only game they didn't give that up was to Mike Glennon, but we saw them really struggle, uh, Derek Carr, Deshaun Watson, Ben Roethlisberger all had really big games against them. And one thing about both of these teams really is uh, they don't get pressure on the quarterback. So we shouldn't expect uh, too much uh, to upset the Bills passing game. And if we look at where the Colts are strong in their secondary and where they're weak, it really uh, fits the strength of the Bills and that's really uh quick stuff or underneath stuff to just to, to Stefan Diggs. The uh the Colts allow the seventh most Yards per attempt to wide receivers lined up in the slot Diggs gets a ton of work inside But the ninth fewest completions on deep balls So one of the biggest transformations of this bill's uh, passing game has been they haven't relied on the deep ball They're good. They're efficient on it, but they're not overly reliant on it So I really like josh allen just to pick apart this indie defense That doesn't get pressure that really struggles over the middle of the field
0: it's a really interesting slate and maybe interesting isn't the right word this is kind of the opposite of what I normally like on a playoff slate I kind of like when the chalk is later I think that this Bills team is going to be extremely popular in game number one Uh, obviously honorable mention to our boy Stefan Diggs 7700 expensive price tag he's probably worth it and just looking at some early ownership projections I think he's going to be one of the chalkiest guys on the entire slate but that doesn't mean that you can't get weird as the slate goes on like as we're looking at this slate and just seeing the massive total Total for Buffalo and this being the highest over under like it, it's still possible that you need pieces of this game to end up on like that optimal or close to optimal lineup so regardless of the ownership uh, no issues whatsoever on being heavy on the Bills passing game moving on to game number two at Rams at Seahawks. This is a guy that I've heard a couple of people talk about, but uh, someone that I've been, uh, I guess, hot and cold on as the years gone on. So Tyler Lockett, he's 6,900. My first instincts of this game is just kind of gross in general, but it sounds like you like Tyler Lockett a lot.
2: Yeah, I mean this game does. I, I don't. I don't want to say it has shootout potential, but we could see a spot where we maybe like mini stacks with um, opposing wide receivers. Both of these defenses have pay, faced top ten passing rate in neutral game script over the second half of the season. This Tyler Lockett is. It's more of a. Indictment on DK Metcalf having to face Jalen Ramsey. Jalen Ramsey is going to be following DK. DK's totaled uh, just 17 if we look at half PPR points, FanDuel points uh, in two games against the Rams this year one game under five fantasy points so really tough to trust DK here and if we just look at down the stretch I mean there was a big chunk in the middle of the season where it looked like DK was the clear wide receiver one on this team he and Tyler Lockett have been neck and neck in terms of targets over the final month of the season and Tyler Lockett's actually been seeing a higher average depth of target than Metcalf over that stretch so uh, just with that uh, shadow coverage from Ramsey and just with not a lot of uh, excitement in this game where we still want pieces to kind of fill out our roster from all of the games uh, and it might be a, I don't know if it's going to be necessarily unique it's hard to get unique on a three-game slate uh, but I do think like you said people are probably going to have the bias against Tyler Lockett so they're going to have to throw it somewhere and, and Jalen Ramsey locking up DK Metcalf he's just done a really good job of it this year.
0: Yeah, i think the running backs are going to be pretty popular in this game uh with yep. carson and just uh, on the other side i think as well uh but the, i i think that what i was looking at here was if dk metcalf was going to be super low owned, then maybe we have some interest in attacking ramsey because of the price tag at 6700 but it seems like that might be kind of uh i guess moving the ownership closer together than i originally thought so if it's if it's all things equal or at least close to equal yeah i'd rather just play tyler lockett in a much better matchup so uh, i'm with you on that uh, let's move on to game number three bucks at washington football team. Uh so this is one obviously we have some injury concerns for uh for Evans, uh, some concerns with Brady. Uh if he is going to be under a ton of pressure in this game. Uh but sounds like Antonio Brown uh can kind of uh move his way through all of those negatives and uh I guess be one of those guys in this game that you have to have.
2: Yeah, there's a lot to figure out uh with Evans' health. That's not only going to move our expectation on Tampa Bay, but really move the the ownership. We saw a couple of weeks ago this team was on the Saturday slate. We had a three game slate uh, in week 16 and Evans Brown and Godwin. They all really cannibalized each other's ownership. All of them were over uh, 25%, but all under 40%. So kind of bunched up together there. Obviously if Evans is out, we're going to see Antonio Brandon, Chris Godwin, Uh, Their ownership really spike out expected to be around 50%. But if he's there, it's going to kind of cause this situation of what do we do? Well, we saw when Evans went out last week, Antonio Brown dominated target share. And even if Evans does play, uh, it could be a situation where he is kind of in a decoy position. And in that situation, we want to see who are the players we want to be overweight on. Obviously, Tampa Bay has this big total. um, But again, it's looked like a diluted target share outside of Washington pass rush, their strength has really been in the middle of the field. They uh, rank six in schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed to tight ends, and they allowed the third fewest yards per attempt to wide receivers lined up in the slot. So you really want to attack Washington with your outside wide receivers. So either rolling out a double stack with tom brady and mike evans or just being way overweight on antonio brown is the way that i like to figure out how i'm attacking this tampa bay receiver core where everybody's kind of just going to be throwing darts i think kind of throwing it against the wall and seeing what works Uh, i really like having conviction on those two guys
0: I like that. I also think that there's going to be some people that just see that price tag from Rob Gronkowski at 3900 and want to go there. But like you mm-hmm. said, we really want to target this team on the outside. So I think Antonio Brown makes a ton of sense, even if Evans is in that game. So totally with you on that. Uh, let's move on to the Sunday games. Uh, this first game, I was hoping these teams wouldn't face each other in the first round because they're very fun to watch. I think both these teams yeah. could have potentially made a run uh, in the AFC. But Ravens at Titans, you're going all the way to the top with Lamar Jackson. Uh, hard to fault you with how he's been playing lately, though.
2: Yeah, kind of similar to what I talked about with Josh Allen, just if we're looking at this three game slate, the Sunday only slate, where are we going to start? What do you want to be building your core around? Uh, And a lot of people are going to look at this game, but I really like the Lamar side of things. Lamar's been playing at an mvp level what he looked like in 2019 over the final five weeks of the season obviously really getting it done with his legs a ton of rushing upside um but the efficiency is really what puts him over the top near nine percent touchdown rate over uh those final five games and tennessee is an offense i'm sorry a defense that struggles against every single position they uh They rank in the bottom 10 and schedule adjusted fantasy points to every position uh, except for tight end. Baltimore has a very concentrated passing attack, so it's not one that I'm going to be necessarily double stacking. But I do think that with the way that the Ravens have played and how bad Tennessee's defense has struggled, that this is one game that could if we're looking for kind of a surprise team to run away with it, I like Baltimore to do that. And if they do have such a game, then it's Lamar uh, really putting up big numbers.
0: There's some narratives here, of course. Like we saw this uh, exact matchup in the playoffs last year. I would imagine Baltimore just coming in with so many expectations last year. It's kind of not really there this year, right? Like they kind of uh, limp in in some ways, but they were really hot down the stretch. So this is probably a team that no one really wanted to face in the first round. Big part of that has to do, with Lamar, so 7800, definitely think he's worth it. Similar to Josh Allen, like you said, like just because this first game is going to carry some ownership with it, doesn't mean like looking at these other two games that you won't need pieces. And Lamar is is a piece of plant uh, to definitely uh, plant your flag for sure. Uh, so game number five on Wildcard Weekend, number two on the Sunday slate, we have Bears at Saints. Michael Thomas might be back for this one, 6300. He's just really underpriced, right?
2: Yeah, he's really underpriced. When he's active, uh, he's typically over 30% target share uh, guy. This is an offense that when we see Kamara, Breeze, uh, and Thomas all active together, the offense is just extremely concentrated. We've only had one game this year where Michael Thomas and Drew Breeze have both played over 50% of the snaps. That was all the way back in week one. So I think people are going to look at a lot of splits uh, and kind of forget that Uh, we had Michael Thomas paired up with Taysom Hill a lot towards the end of the season. The big concern with the saints here, Alvin Kamara, Latavius Murray, not getting uh, any practice all week. They should be activated by Sunday for COVID, but uh, Michael Thomas, the only one getting limited practice. I mean, he's technically has the questionable tag too, but all signs pointing uh, to him playing, This is a game just in general where if I'm attacking it, I'm attacking the Saints side. We don't need to touch on every single team, even on a three-game slate. And Chicago's relied really heavily on playing bad defenses, turning short passes into long plays. So I really like just onslaughts on on the Saints side. And I don't think you necessarily have to bring back Chicago, but uh, that really all revolves around having Michael Thomas back and his salary is just way too low to ignore.
0: Yeah, I think uh, one of the kind of macro decisions that people are be making, if you're building in these little mini stacks, it doesn't have to be a guy from both sides. It's only three games. Right. You need to like pick the correct pieces. But also like if you believe in an offense, like we were just building a lineup with Ryan Hodge earlier today and we got in this weird spot, like would we want to play Camara in a bring back with Montgomery? I was like, I mean, I-, I feel like we should just play Kamara and Michael Thomas. Just really, if we, if we if we're bullish on this New Orleans side of the ball, there's no reason to force in a mini stack for a guy like. Montgomery who were not I mean if there's one spot like this is probably one of the worst possible spots or draws I'll say for Chicago right it's because they've been running the ball really effectively New Orleans is very good against the run and Mitchell Trubisky is one of the worst quarterbacks in the league while under pressure New Orleans brings a ton of pressure so I'm with you man I I think that there's a chance that uh, New Orleans can roll here Michael Thomas uh, is certainly going to be involved uh, very very underpriced Uh, the last game on the wild card slate Browns at Steelers Deontay Johnson, kind of in that same range, 6,200. I think that we're probably going to be building um, some lineups that are relatively balanced. Uh, But again, another guy that can just have a huge target share when things go well. But tell us why you like him in this game.
2: Yeah, I mean, it, it really just comes all down to, to volume and price, especially on DraftKings. He's seen uh, doubled, since week nine double-digit targets in every game except for two uh, on the season, averaging nearly 10 targets per game. We have Juju Smith-Schuster uh, missing practice. That only boosts the prospects. Uh, of Deontay Johnson here I just like the Pittsburgh passing game as a whole Uh, I think that Ben Roethlisberger probably comes in as the fourth highest on quarterback on a three-game slate despite the fact that they are a team that throws at the highest rate neutral game script and then on the other side uh, of the ball or we have Cleveland missing players because of COVID they're not able to practice they're coming into this game cold they're down their starting safety and who knows uh, what else by the time that game starts so they're really going to be attacking uh, Cleveland through the air in this one Cleveland isn't a team that's going to get a ton of pressure besides having uh, a couple uh, good guys up front as a team they're not uh, exceptional at it and Pittsburgh is just a team that loves to throw so with Juju potentially out or limited I'm really liking Deontay's uh, volume in a spot where Pittsburgh's projected to score almost 27 points
0: TJ Hernandez, everyone. That's going to do it for our locks of the week. Be sure and follow him on Twitter. He's at TJ Hernandez, of course. Uh, Obviously, all the stuff that he's churning out over at 444.com. Check that out. Before you get out of here, smash that like button. Consider subscribing to the channel. All that good stuff if you haven't already. I will be live on my channel on 9 a.m. Eastern time, both on Saturday and Sunday this week. A little bit of a double header. The line movement show will be directly after at 9 a.m. Eastern time, both on Saturday and Sunday. So should be a great time. Let us know in the comment who your favorite overall play on DraftKings is this week and we'll talk to you guys soon awesome show today thanks for being here everyone really appreciate it if you do me a huge favor and leave a rating and review on this podcast before you get out of here would really appreciate it makes a huge difference on building up this new show and hope to see you sunday morning on youtube 9 a.m eastern time youtube.com slash joe holka we'll walk through this entire slate again do a little bit of q a with the community always a great time